Rise and shine for National Biscuit Month with Hardy's famous buttermilk biscuits. Made with love from scratch, fresh all morning. It's not the easy way, but it's the right way. Hardy's goodness in the making. Hey, welcome back to the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Yep, twice in one week. Too much stuff has happened that we just couldn't wait till Monday or Tuesday to get the next edition out with opening day right around the corner. Fantasy baseball drafts are in full swing. There's unfortunately a lot of ish happening. We got to talk about it. There's big time fantasy ramifications. I've already put out a tweet in regards to one of them that all of the closer BS is already starting and opening day hasn't even hit yet. So Matt, we, I, I'm glad to have you here at the salesman on Twitter, but I'll be honest, too much stuff to talk about. I, I really want to exchange pleasantries, but I don't know. I just don't know if we have time. It's the first thing we got to talk about Reese Hoskins. Yep. I want you to first say how you're doing and you cannot say better than Reese because we all know that I understand that uh, weird looking injury, uh, non-contact. Whenever you hear that hyphenated word, it's never great, but Reese Hoskins, Non-contact, I believe it was left knee injury today in spring training on the ground, rolling around in pain. I mean, it's tough to make assumptions because we've seen certain times where players get wheelchaired back to the bathroom and you're back to the locker room and they just have to go use the bathroom or they get carted back just to the bathroom. This wasn't that case. But what should we doing and what should we be doing in our fantasy baseball drafts with with this Hoskins news? Because at least on the look of it, not good. Yeah. Uh anytime you see teammates, first of all, I'll say I'm doing not so bad i haven't drafted yet so i'm dodging bullets right now by not drafting this is also why by the way you draft as late as possible so you have <laughs> you have all of the time and spring training to avoid this um but i will say yeah it was a pretty weird looking injury it looked like he caught his foot on the you know the outfield grass just past the first base um base path and Frankly, when I was watching it, I was expecting something to happen to the right knee, and then he just hopped around and had a problem with his left knee. And then anytime um, your teammates huddle around you, that's usually not a good sign, right? Um, and then the EMTs came out with the cart, and the Phillies already said he's going for more testing and evaluation. Not good. So I'm pretty sure we can all assume that it's going to be a 20 ACL. Um, I would be shocked if it's only like a sprain. Uh, I think at this point we're talking months, if not the season. So I would draft him according to assuming that he's going to miss the season until we hear otherwise. Are you with like Are you with me on that? Having watched the the clip because it does it doesn't look like it's just a sprain that he tweaked something. No, it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're gonna have to, we're going to have to bump them down boards. I If your league does not have IL spots, you just simply can't draft them. You can't just, yeah. especially while in, we're in this waiting period. So, like, I'm, I have a league where I have Hoskins. I have other first base options, 10-team league. I'm not really worried about it, per se. In a league like that, or even, like, deep release, you can wait. Like, what's the difference? Why drop them today when I can wait till Saturday or Sunday to hear the testing? You know, if there's multiple people on waivers that you can pick up, you're okay. Just hold on. Wait. If you haven't drafted yet, bump Hoskins down. And I would just 
until we get any news, he's going to be completely off my board if your league doesn't have any IL spots because you're just you're holding on to a potential false hope that may never come. So I, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you. It, it's unfortunate, so, and then yeah. I guess my question is, how are we approaching him in keeper leagues? Like, let's say you don't you haven't made a keeper decision yet. I'd throw him back. That's what I would. Yeah, do. I guess my question becomes if there's other years past this, like because you could have multiple years that aren't, and you're not in a dynasty league, right? In a dynasty league, I'm keeping him there's for no, sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like you just put him on your bench, eat the year, eat a bench spot here, keep him. If you're in a keeper league in which you can keep him for a few more years, it gets a little interesting. From yeah. I mean, I like Hoskins too, but I mean, when you look at the past couple years, I I can find twenty five homers and a two forty five average. Yeah, that's fair. And no knock, that's still very serviceable. So it's not to say like you could do right, better. You like, may not be able to, but it's just I don't think that juice is worth the squeeze to hold on to him through this year just to get to maybe thirty plus homers like he did last year. That's true. I mean, he was still being drafted ahead of Rizzo, and I think Rizzo's arguably the better fantasy option. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and the thing with Hoskins too, maybe he never reaches that, maybe that elite high end, but we've seen, I mean, take out the 2020 shortened season. He's got 27 plus homers in each of the past couple of seasons. He's been pretty consistent average wise. I mean, there's safety and security. So I love the consistency that we get with Hoskins otherwise, but it seems to me, if you were in a keeper league and you were to throw him back, I don't really think he would be one that people would be, you know, scurrying for. I think you'd be. I think you could throw him back and get him back before next year. That's fair. I mean, his ADP since March first in NFBC is one nineteen right now, which makes him the ninth first baseman off the board. Like, I could still make the argument, even if he was healthy, that he's still in the group with Christian Walker, Andrew Vaughn, Nate Lowe, uh, Crone, Telez. I mean, Rizzo's the fifteenth guy off the board. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, fair enough. And awesome back. Now let's see. Let's see if we can agree on this one in Atlanta. Rizal Iglesias is a closer I seem to like every single year. He's going to open the year on the uh, injured list with uh, some shoulder inflammation. To me, based on what I've seen with Atlanta in the past, my thought is AJ Minter is the guy to own for the ninth inning. I know Joe Jimenez is there, but to me. I think it's Minter. Are you with me on that? I'm with you on that. They've also, by the way, I think they've said. They or, did say it was him? Uh, I'm not sure if it, or they've strongly hinted that Minter's going to get the first crack at closing. Okay. So then we're basically right. Yeah. Now the question becomes, how long do we expect Rizal Iglesias to be out? Because the wording on it was, he's going to start on the I.L., he won't pitch for seven days and then be reevaluated. So well, I guess the only thing we know then for sure is seven days. Right. But the question is, he's not pitching for seven days from now. Seven days from now, this is Thursday the 23rd. It's opening day. I would say we need to prepare. If it's seven days from now, he picks up a ball again. He's going to have to get stamina built up he doesn't throw for a couple i would say prepare minimum of the first two weeks of the season minimum 
Okay. Now, do you think there's chances that they put him back in the closer role immediately right into high leverage, or they kind of do, like when you're switching your pet's food, you go like mm -hmm. 75, 25, and then 50, 50, and then 25, 75. And then, so do you think there's like a crossover period between Minter and Rizal, assuming it's a short-term thing for Rizal and he doesn't get re-injured? It could, depending on how the first say let's say it is just two weeks for just to make it make it easy in terms of this hypothetical if it is those two weeks if let's say the braves let's say minter's very good right but let's say the rest of the bullpen implodes who's to say that iglesias's quote-unquote rehab assignment isn't the fifth or sixth inning of games letting him work back into it before he gets right. back i don't think he'll jump right back into the closing spot no um, unless minter implodes then iglesias might come back right away doing the ninth inning. But if they don't, if we see that they're not going to send him for a rehab assignment, Minter's still the closer for a little bit longer. Iglesias is going to pitch probably a low leverage appearance or two, get the sixth or seventh, and then you'll slowly see him kind of like the whole pet diet thing. We're going to go 75-25 to 50-50, eventually till Iglesias is healthy and fully the guy again. Right, or they put him in the ninth inning in non-save. Correct situations to a save minter and b get him back to waiting that long into a game before he comes out and just the ninth inning mantra i mean the ninth inning is the ninth inning i mean obviously it's better when you're winning and there's more adrenaline but at least that'd be a way to get him yeah like you said like into the ninth get into it his his more normal routine i guess you could say that's, right. i mean because that's what he's used to is the ninth inning so yeah, I'd say at least the minimum of the first two weeks. Expect to be without Iglesias. Uh, in drafts, if you haven't drafted yet, I might bump him down a couple spots um, in the closer. But when healthy, he's one of the, what, maybe six or seven guys that we know for sure is the ninth inning dude no matter what. Yeah, I mean. Or at least we have a hunch. I mean, I think if he's healthy, he's there no matter what. And Minter's the eighth inning guy and maybe gets – a handful of saves if there's back-to-back-to-back -back -back opportunities and then they're not going to pitch Iglesias three days in a row even when he was healthy, right? So I think Iglesias is a lockdown guy. Plus A is a lockdown guy. Probably Hater in San Diego, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Devin Williams in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, Bednar is going to be one. Bednar for the first half of the season before he's traded. Yes. Helsley. Yeah, Helsley. Bautista went healthy. Uh, who? Uh, Bautista, Baltimore. Yeah, went healthy. Henley. Uh, Holmes. In New York. P potentially, the uh, Camilo Duvall in San Fran. I would assume so. What about Diego? Um, what about? What are we doing with Seattle? Because they've got they've got a few dudes. I don't know which one it's going to be. I mean, I want it to be Munoz because dude's so filthy, but Sawald didn't be Diego Castillo. <laughs> or it could be him. And it's not like Sawald did a ton to like Lose. flat out serve it up on a silver platter to somebody else. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, maybe six guys then. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it now, if Iglesias was about the fifth closer like he's probably ace helsley's gonna move above him as long as Bautista's healthy he's gonna go above him for now kenley maybe uh, i mean kenley's a bus candidate for me so that's kind of a different thing Duvall moves up above him i would say glacius drops down closer to the closer 10 than the closer five that he's been yeah so 
And if we find out otherwise, then he either stays in that range or he continues to slip if it's going to be longer. In St. Louis, Adam Wainwright out several weeks weeks with a groin strain. To me, this has more impact in reality than fantasy. Uh, Wainwright could throw a complete game shutout, and if his over-under prop was three and a half strikeouts, I'd probably take the under unless he's pitching at home. He's good yeah. at home and strikeouts. Otherwise, not. Fantasy, not a real big impact for this one for Wainwright. He's kind of a mid-low-level guy that you kind of look at just because well, the, the dearth of strikeouts hurts in fantasy. I mean, that's true. He's not really striking out people anymore. You know, he's throwing mostly curveballs at this point, you know, living up to his nickname, Uncle Charlie. Um, it does it does hurt, though, in terms of guys getting forced up in the St. Louis rotation that weren't necessarily expected to be forced up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, now you have either Montgomery or Michaelis as your ace for the start of the season. Right. I'm not sure if you either of those dudes is ace pitchers, right? Um, you have Jake Woodford now as your fifth starter, who probably shouldn't be in the rotation until maybe Libertor can figure it out and come in. Like, you know, it it hurts in terms of in fantasy ways. Like, if you're expecting Jordan Montgomery to be the number three starter. You're like, well, he matches up better than, like, let's say, half the league's number three starters. So if he faces them, you have a better than you have a better chance of snagging a win and a good showing and whatnot, right? Whereas now he's a number two starter, but I'm not sure he's really a number two starter. So it kind of it kind of stretches things a little bit in fantasy in terms of maybe not as many quality starts from guys, stuff like that. The reality, yeah, the the impact in reality, I think, is is the bigger thing here. And I mean, really, the Wainwright was the constant. In he may not be the best, but he was the constant in this rotation. So now, after Miklas and Montgomery, who are your two kind of rocks, even though we can debate whether they're SP one, SP two, you know, they're rocks in that rotation. You now need a healthy Flaherty and a healthy right. Stephen Matz. And at this point. As much as I hate to say it, can we bet on that? Nope. So I mean, Flaherty's been injured like more times in the last three years than he's made starts. Yeah. So that's that's the issue that they're going to run into. And we've talked about this multiple pods back to Philadelphia. Forearm. You know what forearm means? Off my board. It's that simple. Uh, Ranger Suarez, some elbow inflammation and forearm tightness. Uh, kind of a a deadly duo it's not really a dynamic duo i'd say it's kind of a deadly duo there so for me i'm pretty much out on suarez i wasn't really that in on him to begin with anyway just didn't have many shares of him never really sought him out at that point in drafts but this certainly doesn't make things any easier drafting him uh in fantasy so what what are what are you kind of doing with suarez here in in the forearm news i wasn't all that high on him to begin with i guess i mean his numbers were pretty good last year but I don't know. Like pitching is so deep that I could go basically anywhere for an SP three. I feel like, um, but if you if you are looking at them, um, they don't sound like Philadelphia doesn't sound all that uh, scared of this. But for the fact that he was slow to start in spring because of forearm tightness, and now he's likely to start on the IL because of elbow inflammation, there's something there. 
Like, you don't just get tight and inflamed if your body's not trying to fight something off, right? Like, there's clearly something there, whether it's a full tear of something, probably not, but these things also tend to linger. So the question is, if he comes back and he's quote-unquote healthy, what happens in June when he pops onto the IL again? Like... You know, I get we all want a piece of Philly because they're pretty loaded in the pitching department and the hitting department, though. Loss of Hoskins kind of hurts the lineup a little bit. Um, but this is a guy I'm not really – I wasn't really looking that much at um, to begin with. But we do have some breaking – a little bit of breaking injury news, not huge. Um, but a beat writer for the Cubs – uh, for the athletic, um, I'm not gonna try to pronounce pronounce his first name, but the last name is Sharma. Um, he's reporting that Nico Horner was scratched from the lineup in spring training today with left bicep tightness. They don't think it's serious. He did on-field work earlier today. Again, this is Thursday, the 23rd of March, uh, but they don't want to push push it unnecessarily right now. So just something to watch. Not a huge, again, not a huge thing. Um, but it is something to watch for the Cubs with Nico Horner. Yeah, if Horner were to miss time, I'd assume they'd somehow rework things a little bit. I would expect Christopher Morell to come in and hit Probably. a couple homers, steal a couple of bases, and strike out 40% of the time. And then get sent back down. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go back to Suarez quick. Uh, when you look at it, too, back in 2018, he, I mean, he threw about 140 innings. Then come 2019, he only threw about 86 to 87 four innings in 2020 jumped to 106 in 2021 and then up to 170 including the postseason last year i know about five or six years ago with the fantasy alarm draft guide i remember we always used to do the uh pitcher workload concerns article in the draft guide and there was always that jump if it was too big of a jump there was there should be some concern for that following year and i mean i know we did have 100 plus inning campaigns years ago but after just throwing four in 2020 to jump to 106 in 2021 and now 170 last year, those are back-to-back seasons of pretty sizable jumps. Yeah, not to mention that they they tweened him in one of those years too. He kept going between the rotation and the bullpen. So it wasn't even just a pure like starting yep. innings load. It was like some higher leverage stuff because he was the cl- he was the closer for a little bit too. I think yeah. he got the tryout. Yeah. It was in 2021 where he he won eight games, saved four games, 39 game or 39 appearances, 12 starts with a 1.36 ERA. Yeah, so John Smoltz in it out there. Um, <laughs> you know, by the way, can we stop with the? So this is four minutes ago from Matt Gelb, who was he's a Phillies beat writer for again the Athletic. He was the one that reported first that the cart was coming out for Hoskins. He tweeted four minutes ago that Rob Thompson. Billy's uh, manager on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Quote, it's concerning. I'm not sure what it is yet. They're checking him out now. He had some knee issues in the past. Maybe it was more fear than pain. They said he was walking around in the clubhouse afterwards. Here's the problem with that. I have torn my ACL, okay? And I walked around with a torn ACL for like a week mm-hmm. without a problem. You can walk on a torn ACL without really much pain, to be perfectly honest. The problem is when you try to cut, you fall like a sack of potatoes because the ACL is there to catch you when you move side to side. Same with the PCL. That's what they do. If you stand still and you bend your knee in, 
when your knee catches that's your acl catching you can move in a straight line without problems if, with a torn acl the problem becomes moving laterally and trying to cut and quick change of direction so while it's i guess encouraging that he was walking around but you can walk with it like like you can walk with a torn acl there's no update with that because you're you're exactly correct like you can walk on i mean if you tear your achilles you can walk now you're also not doing it normally kobe bryant shot a free throw in an nba game with a torn achilles yeah then he went to the locker room and collapsed but (laughs) yeah like the people who are replying to this that say i doubt it's an acl because you wouldn't be able to like remotely try to walk that's simply false it's simply false like you haven't torn it like i literally i've literally torn now i'm not an elite athlete not in major league baseball oh don't discount yourself the fact of the matter remains you can walk in a straight line on a torn acl there's not like most most knee injuries you can walk in a straight line the more you tear the more it's going to hurt but that doesn't that update doesn't really so please don't read into that as oh it's not that serious yep that's good good piece of advice there you can walk on a torn acl that is correct out in los angeles jimmy nelson and daniel hudson il just more people on it so let me ask you this um jimmy nelson's got a beautiful curveball i feel like we haven't seen it in a little bit to say the least because he had i think he had he underwent tommy john last year right I think so. Or I think he did. 2021, something. He, he uh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. That's right. 2021. It's 2023 now. Oh, I'm way off. Yes, I'm yeah, sorry. 2021. Had, I think he had something pop up on him when he tried to come back last year. I, look, the rotation of relievers in the Dodgers bullpen is next to impossible to keep track of because they just keep plugging, plugging dudes in. Like, it's congrats to them for having this many arms, but it's it's kind of ridiculous to keep track of. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure exactly what the IL deal is for those two guys. It was a little like it was a little vague in the news report. To be All right. So it looks like Hudson's his knee. Okay. He won't be ready for the start of the season, which we knew. And then all Dave Roberts said was elbow. So I guess it's still coming back from a little sore. Yeah. Yeah. Probably something like that. So let me ask you this <laughs> opening day Dodgers are leading. They're up by three into the ninth. Who do you think gets the ball for the first save opportunity? I don't want to say Vessia. Not who I wanted you to say, but oh, you wanted me to say Gratterall. No, I want you to say Phillips. Oh, okay. I mean, but I, I well, can to be see fair, on Rocky Resource, they have four dudes with closer next to their name. Well, I'd, they might as well just make all seven because at this point, I think any of them could do it. I mean, Evan Phillips, Vessia, Gratterall, and Caleb Ferguson. And if Hudson was there, he would have <laughs> he would have their next to his name too. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. Vessia was just straight up filthy last year. Like, uh, but to be honest, I don't know. The projections, by the way, have nobody in the Dodgers pen getting more than 10 saves right now. And, I mean, if we look at spring, I mean, Gratterall has six scoreless innings this spring with 
four strikeouts. Phillips has six scoreless uh, with a six to one strikeout to walk ratio. Where's Vessia? Vessia, five and a third, four hits, three earned runs, nine, nine to one strikeout to walk ratio. So he's a little bit all, more all or nothing. <laughs> the only but, thing that works against so there's so I don't know how the lefty thing with Vessi is gonna work in his favor or against him, right? Because it's more uncommon to have a lefty as a closer, so that could throw guys off, right? Mm-hmm. But it also only means there's one other lefty in the pen if you have Bessie as the closer, whereas if you have either Phillips or Gratterall, you have Bergeson and Bessie as your lefties right now. Obviously, there are two spots open in that pen that you feel, you know, one of them could be filled with um, with a lefty, but I, I don't know. Dave Roberts, can we trust Dave Roberts? No. But I, that's why I'm asking you, and before you, before I, that's why I asked you before you had a chance to ask me. I mean, that's pretty smart. I don't know. I mean, Kenley Jansen was like they had him; they didn't take him out. But that's Kenley Jansen, right? That's different. Yeah, this is this is like comparing like apples to like flaming yeah. on. I mean, uh, I don't know. I would say it's either Vessia or Gratterall. Yeah, I'll go Vessia or Phillips. Because okay. why not? We can't agree on everything. Um, two quick injury updates um, as well. So let's just talk about this. Carlos Rodon with the forearm through a good bullpen onto a second pen. Uh, I'm still skeptical. I'm still a bit pessimistic. Yeah. I mean, this is a step in the right direction, but it's, you know, it's just, it, it's good. It, it, the fact that it's not, okay, it's going to be a double negative. You hear me, or kind of a double negative. You hear me out. But the fact that it's not bad news is good news in and of itself. Yes. The fact but that I'm not jumping for joy. Off. Yeah. <laughs> His arm's still attached. That's the good news for today. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not, oh, he threw a bullpen, 50, you know, 60%. Stuff looked good. Probably didn't even throw a spinner. Probably a couple fastballs did good. I'm all assuming there, but yeah, let's just. I'm just going to move him back up my board. I am not doing that yet. Call me a pessimist or whatever you want to call it. Um, no good, no, no bad news here is good news. I'm not making any changes to my current draft board because of this update. Correct. I'm glad we agree there. What about in Atlanta with Mike Soroka? Talk about a guy we haven't seen in feels like five years. It feels like five years. I don't know if it's actually been quite that long. Let's no, see. But I mean, he tore his Achilles what twice? Something like that. I mean, he tore it once, and then I think he tore it again trying to rehab it, and then he had some el- elbow thing last year too. If I'm, not- we haven't seen him since August third of twenty twenty. So not quite five years, but yeah, feels well, like almost. It. In this day and age, right? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, he made a – he came back spring and, as expected, mixed results, right? He's not going to come out and dominate. He's got to just kind of – at this point for him, he could go out there, throw three innings, let up seven home runs. But if he comes out of the game healthy, Atlanta's calling it a win. That's basically what – so they – I was looking at this. I have a list of, of beat writers from MLB on Twitter. And I was looking at it, and the Braves players were all just like, to see him on the mound again was a win. Yep. Like, was it the best outing? No. When his slider was in the zone, it was filthy and elite, like you expect it to be. But just to see him out there and then come out of the game healthy was a win for him right now. So 
does it change my draft stock? No. Like, I'm taking him as late as possible, just as a flyer to see what happens. Um, they don't need him in the rotation right now. So there's no impetus for them to, like, rush him along. Um, and, and he's a great late round flyer because I mean he's someone you're gonna have to stack strikeouts around him because he's not necessarily the biggest strikeout arm. But the full year we saw him back in 2019 over basically yeah 175 innings of one 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 whip a two six eight ERA like 142 strikeouts in 175 innings. It's, I mean it's not great, but it's not horrible. You can get by if you have an elite strikeout reliever. You've now balanced him and Soroka to a strikeout and inning arm. Right, or if you have two high strikeout starters whose ratios aren't the best you pair him with Soroka when he's healthy it all works but again I'm taking him as late as possible just as a flyer because if he comes back healthy and the Braves can get creative in the back of their rotation I'm all about Soroka yeah and it, it's again if he comes out or something happens and he manages to get hurt again or he's just not that great it's a late round pick you can drop him you know no no, no harm, no foul type thing. So I, I, I'm in agreement with you there. A couple interesting things I want to get your opinion on here, Matt, more so just kind of yes or no type thing. Uh, Anthony Volpe, a name that's been going around all spring. Is he going to break camp? Aaron Judge has basically said the best guys need to be there, more or less is what he said. Yeah. He, I mean, I agree with that. And it's simple. Now, let me preface this. Will he, based on merit? Yes. Do I think he should? No. I want the Yankees to extend this guy as long as possible, to be perfectly honest. So, <laughs> the Yankees fan, I don't want anything ticking off his service time. Um, right. But has he outplayed all of the other options? Maybe. I don't know. Peraza's been pretty, been pretty good. And with the glove, I actually want Oswald of Peraza at short rather than Volpe and I would put Volpe at second base. Because mm. so you want them to trade Glaber? I mean, I'm indifferent about Glaber to be honest. Like he's solid, but do it like I don't know. They have a lot of middle infielders right now because I don't know what they're doing with Cabrera. <laughs> they also have a guy named Trey Sweeney who is like their third best prospect. Also play shortstop. Still not in the minors. Um, so will he make it? Yeah, I think he will. I think the time is here for Fulby to, to make the opening day roster. Will and I will be yeah. a full-time starter. I don't know, but, and yeah. And I would ask, where would you draft him in fantasy? But it seems like we already got a pretty good gauge or, you know, it seems it looks like since March 1st, I got to filter the pitchers, son of a gun. Hold on a second. So it looks like Volpe. I mean, he's been a name that's kind of been moving up a little bit right now. Average pick since March 1st of pick 278. If he's announced that he breaks camp with the team, you got to imagine that that moves up, what, three, four rounds minimum, closer to pick 200 now? Um, if all it says is he's made camp yeah. with the team, if, if I mean, it's going to, hell's going to break loose if they say he's the starting everyday guy. He's going to yeah. fly up. I find it interesting that so he's coming off since March 1st is the 27th shortstop off the board, and Oswald Peraza is the 28th shortstop off the board. So clearly, whoever's named the opening day starter is short is going to go up the board. If it's Volpe, then I think he has to vault Mateo. He's got to vault the injured Alberto Mondesi. I think he vaults uh, Hung Sun Kim. I would take him over Bryson Stott. 
I'd probably take him over C.J. Abrams. We're going to take him over Luis Urias or Ezekiel Tovar. No, I think that's I think that's where I think that's where the train stops for me. I would agree. As bad as as Javier Baez is in the batting average category, I think I still take him over. And I can't discount Tovar playing in cores, and he's got just as good of a track record in the minors as Volpe does. Yep. Yeah, I'd probably jump him about. So what is that? He's 27th right now. I would take a step to like shortstop 20, 21 ish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I, I don't. I mean, now if if we're looking at him there, there's definitely going to be leagues that we're probably not going to get him because there's either going to be a Yankee fan or a prospect fan or someone, and they'll just push him up above the likes of Baez, Urias, and all of them. I would I would agree, but I don't like you can't just go based off. Oh, this guy smoked double A pitching, so he's going to be phenomenal. Like, correct. Is it likely that Volpe will succeed? And he, has he done well in spring? Sure, but how many dudes have lit? lit the world on fire in spring and double a and then stuck in the majors like jared kalenic did it two years in a row and is barely hanging on to a roster spot in seattle so i I mean i'm rooting for volby to succeed clearly but i also don't want to like tie my fantasy baseball future to a yet unproven rookie who's probably going to be in a timeshare what about out in LA? We already know that James Altman has made the, the opening day roster here in spring, hitting 268, 512 slug, 866 OPS, does have 15 strikeouts though, and 41 at bats. And of course, Dave Roberts is his manager. So what can we expect playing time wise with Altman at least at the beginning of the 2023 campaign? I don't know. I mean, he's a, he's a late round flyer for me in the outfield. The outfield's incredibly deep. I'm not even sure you'd necessarily have to look at him in 12. Like, I wouldn't look at him in 10 or 12 team leagues, for sure. Since yeah. March 1st, his average ADP is 561, yeah. for the record. If you're in 14 or 15 or 16 team leagues or whatever, late round outfield flyer at best. At best. Because you got to keep in mind, he's probably the fifth outfielder on that roster. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's going to need a couple of guys to – stop hitting baseballs like Jason Hayward um, to get in there. But Trace Thompson is there for his defense, right? So, like, I don't think you're getting in over him. David Peralta, they just signed, and they believe that guy can still hit a little bit. Right? You could theoretically sprinkle in J.D. Martinez in the outfield. I don't think that's going to happen, but you no. could theoretically do it. Mookie isn't going anywhere, right? Well, just, Well, maybe second base. Just, just, just ten, just ten times, or yeah. fifteen, or twenty, whatever, whatever my league's rule is to get second base eligibility. Just play him there that many times. That's all I'm asking. Right, but here's the thing: you also have Chris Taylor, and you still have Jason Hayward. So, like, okay, well, we can get rid of Jason Hayward. I mean, Jason Hayward's not great. But Jason I, Hayward's not scaring me from anything. I mean, yeah, I would take I would take James Outman as a like last round flyer in very deep leagues. Absolutely, and if and if he doesn't break out of that fifth outfielder again, you drop him. No harm, right. no foul. You didn't, you didn't waste anything. You didn't waste any draft capital on him. Last time I checked, you don't lose drafts based on your twenty eighth round pick. No, you know, 
least from what I've seen. If you have, you screwed up every other part of it. <laughs> if, if, if your 28th round pick was the key to unlocking the, the fantasy goodness with your team, rounds one through 27 are a problem. And you yeah. should be checking out our free Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide for assistance and our Discord. Yes. How about in Chicago? Um, Hayden was, I believe it's Wesneski. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Some of these pronunciation, I just get, I, I, I come on to these, I read before them and then I get here, just totally forget everything that I worked on before it. So um, he's looked good this spring through three innings, um, 17 strikeouts, only four walks, uh, just a, an even three ERA from 12 innings. He was the one that the Cubs got back for the reliever that went to Yankees, right? Who's now hurt. Yes, the uh, the like the twenty six year old rookie who was it like Yankees, like yeah. F Ross is F Ross yeah, right F Ross yeah yeah okay so I mean he's got tons of talent he can be good for this rotation so ultimately let me ask you this when I look at roster resource he's slotted in as the team's fifth starter uh, he's gonna be there I like what he can do in a couple of departments but we haven't really seen I don't want to say a ton but I mean. I mean, no, well, we haven't. We just, we haven't. We've seen like 33 innings. He made six appearances last year um, and then a couple uh, AAA starts with the teams and stuff. So what do you expect from Wesneski this year? Can he, is he fantasy viable, I guess, is the question at the end of the day. Yeah, I think he's worth an upside pick. Like we're talking late again, like maybe the last pitcher on your roster, right? Um, or your last starting option or bench whatever um i think there's there's stuff there look with the yankees last year at triple a before he was traded he made 19 starts in triple a which is the international league by the way which is we can trust more what we see from pitchers in that league compared to the pacific coast league because it's just a bet like international league is way more fair parks between hitters and pitchers so over 89 and two-thirds innings uh at triple a for new york he put up a 3.51 ERA, 4.03 FIP, which isn't atrocious, right? 830 or 8.33 K per nine, 2.81 walks per nine. So again, both of those are reasonable. Not a huge strikeout guy, but he, you like to see that difference, right? He's not striking out a ton, like more than a guy per inning, but he's also not walking a bunch of dudes. Um, so I think that's I think that's reasonable. One one five WHIP perfectly fine so i think he winds up being maybe the i mean i think he jumps drew smiley in that rotation yeah to to be honest does he get up to the top three i don't think so but i think he can be i think he's look if you draft him as like an sp8 and he returns sp6 value then you're you're happy right yeah, and I mean, last year, we I mean, again, it's a very small sample size, but I mean, he posted three pitches with a whiff rate of at least 30%. Yeah. I mean, you got to think there's some strikeout upside, and don't get me wrong, is he going to be elite of the elite? No, but he's a guy that seems like can reliably strike out over a batter per inning. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, his projections right now are just a touch below a batter per inning, but, like, nobody on the Cubs – Pitching staff is going to strike out a guy per inning right now. Yep, I think I think oh. you were right. If 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 I'm ranking the guys that I have most interest in in the Cubs pitching staff, it's probably Justin Steele and then Wisniewski. Oh, Steele is a stud. I put him in the, the sleepers article. 
I don't trust Tyon to stay healthy at this point. Marcus Stroman is what he is. So let's go for upside. Yep. Why not? If he stinks, you drop him. Right. End of the day. Like, yeah. So I'm 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 right there with you. So lastly, the W the WBC, the World Baseball Classic, has wrapped up. Um, some of these guys obviously left camp to come and you know certain guys you know you look at it with goldschmidt still got 25 at bats mookie got 32 what about someone like will smith who only got 10 at bats made played in three games there obviously real muto was the 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 main guy behind the dish there but i mean will smith hit 200 he did have a 933 ops across those 10 at bats but what is there any like fantasy ramifications of him basically if he was if he were to stay in camp he would have had more at bats than what he did in WBC, or is it like, well, less at bats in the WBC, but given that they're more game like than spring training, they actually maybe are a little bit more to equaling out than we may expect just looking at the numbers. So it's interesting to me a little bit because in the WBC, there wasn't the pitch clock, mm. right? Like somebody yeah. pointed, I think it was CJ Nikowski that pointed out that basically none of the pitches between Otani to Trout would have counted. They all would have been called balls or strikes by the ump for time delays on both sides, right? So they didn't have that. So you've been going through this with camp and training with this, and like, like a lot of teams got their, their guys going. Like even in batting practice, they were getting them going with the pitch clock before spring training games even happened. So in one way, you don't necessarily lose some of the muscle memory you've been working on to get ready to to hit quickly, right? But you also haven't seen pitches, which also helps you get ready to hit. Right. <laughs> so, right. um, so Will Smith is back in the Dodgers lineup today. Again, it's Thursday. Um, he was hitting third for what that's worth. Yep. Um, so I, I think he'll be, I think he'll be all right. I think catchers have a little bit of an advantage with this because you're seeing pitches at at bats, and then you're also catching pitches, right? Like you're, you're seeing it from two ways. So I think he'll be, I think he'll be all right. What about someone like you, Darvish? Um, when we saw with. Him, couple innings in spring training, went to the WBC, threw a little bit. Um, is he is he like when he makes his first start of the year? Is he going to be at a point where he would be sans WBC? I think he'll be a couple starts behind in terms of stretching out for innings. Like his latest, like he just got back. Right, he's only going to go four innings in his spring training start in the next day or two. But normally the starters would be going like six at this point, right? Because it's basically their last starts at this point in spring training before heading back up for the start of the season or doing one of those exhibition games in um, in their home park, like the Nats and Yankees are playing an exhibition in Nats Park as the last game of spring training so that they can get back into the normal confines so i think he's going to be a start or two behind where you would expect innings to be for him um, i think i think that's a fair that's a fair which for know. fantasy i'm not sure much meant like the only concern is if he only goes four innings he's not qualifying for a win right yeah. you need him to go five but i don't expect like he's not going to go seven or eight first time out yeah 
Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And honestly, if he's healthy, you can live. If he goes out there four innings, one hit, one earned run, no walks, and six strikeouts, he'll take it. And then he just starts parlaying it to more innings from there. So, yeah, I think that's it. There was a ton that happened. Like I said, we got it. We had to get something out. Got to talk about it here. So um, next week we'll do our normal early week thing, kind of see how it goes as we draw closer to opening day. Um, but just a couple things to wrap it up. Give Matt a follow on Twitter at the salesman. I'm on Twitter at Colby R. Conway. Head over to fantasyalarm.com. Get your copy of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide and all of the great MLB content that is, or I should say that was put out, is put out, and will be put out as we continue to inch closer to opening day and through opening day throughout the whole 2023 Major League Baseball season. So we'll be back next week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hardy's signature Frisco burger and Frisco breakfast sandwich are the kind of goodness people drive across town for. Classic favorites on a toasted sourdough bun. Only at Hardy's. Goodness in the making. Participation may vary.